0: Let's do it. It's a real thing, Patriots Podcast. This is Matt Chatham. This is obviously a different show. You're getting this thing last minute in the week. I pledged at the beginning of the year to do it a day after, but my schedule got jacked up this week, so we're doing this as a really short show. This is meant to be tight, sort of keys to the game kind of feel on all three, both sides of the ball, and also special teams, but... That's what I'm coming at you here with. So this will be quicker than normal, obviously. And obviously we're doing it with a different thing in mind about what to keep an eye on going into the game as opposed to a review before. And I'll announce it here on this particular show. I got to do the same thing to you again next week. I apologize, guys. I'd love to get into a a more set schedule here, but a little life bomb has gone off. Uh, It's it's something I'm fighting. Uh, I'm going to tell you all this story, hopefully at the end of this year. It's an awesome story, but it does jack up my schedule a little bit. And, uh, and i can't get into details this minute but uh, uh yeah and it doesn't help this week that uh, it's a thursday night game but i'll still get it out to you but it won't be a monday this week but let's since we're we're tight on time here we're trying to do this as a pregame show let's dive right into this thing so the way i'm gonna break this down is i'm gonna go offense defense and then special teams and talk a little bit about just what i think the feel of of what i saw on film and, and what needs to change going into this weekend uh, sunday today uh, in this game uh, against the Dolphins. So this is going to be less of a breakdown of the Dolphins because I know your head's really right now more on what the heck's going on with the Patriots, and I think that's reasonable. So let's get into the offensive side of the ball. I preached, prophesized, is that the word? Uh, I was on the box last week talking, especially on my Nessun pregame show, uh, the Nessun, uh, what do we call it, the Nessun pregame chat with Doug Kide, Zach Cox, myself, and Michaela Verano last week. But uh, we'll be doing it again Sunday morning uh, at 10.30. So check that out either streaming on Nesson.com. Or the Nesson Facebook page, but we'll be back at it again. Uh, but one of the things that I was really big on last week was run game, and I really felt like it had to come on both sides of the ball. Well, whoop, lo and behold, here we are, and that didn't happen either way. And I, I'm not going to change that. That analysis, it, it shows up when you watch back the Detroit game. It, it shows up just how much it hinders everything else they would otherwise be able to do because the inability to get uh just those little extra yards you know when you're getting one and two and they're getting four and five i mean there's your game uh, that's it you really don't need to turn the page on much more than that that's going to tell you the whole story but it's one thing to say gotta run it better you know that's just, it's just kind of a throwaway line you got to talk about how one would run it better and maybe why running the ball didn't work so well last week it worked poorly uh, and I think one of the biggest things in watching it back is, you know, a little bit of a, a chops licking, licking your chops if you played for the Lions defense, because there was a very, very definitive tell in my view. Uh, nah, tells the wrong word because that's sort of like tipping off a play kind of thing. This is more just a, a real high, uh, high tendency percentage. Uh, when, when Sony Michelle was in the game and, and OK, I have said the name, so I want to make sure that you don't feel like we're running into a hot take area here because we are absolutely not. Me bringing up Sony Michelle uh, is not to knock the dude. He is so young and inexperienced, and the talent is there. And, man, when you watch back the handful of plays he had in the game, he had – barely much of a chance on any of those runs. Maybe one or two there where maybe a little more could have been gotten. And definitely a couple more where it could have been better, but again, he's a young player. In the passing game, he just looks rough. He doesn't come sharply out of cups. He doesn't cut. He doesn't snatch the ball yet. He just doesn't look like he knows where to go like like most rookies do, you know, that don't have a training camp that missed the first week and just playing their second game and all of a sudden they're thrust thrusting a major role because Rexburg Burkhead's banged up and Jeremy Ells tore his, his, uh, his ACL and, and they just don't want to use James White uh, in a full-time role and and again that's that's off on a side subject i think that that might have to change this particular week but what was going on with sony is is something that from a defensive perspective you can look back at it and completely lean you can get into a play and kind of know what's about to happen why because it in my view it didn't look like they were very comfortable leaving him there in protection and when you can take out a third of what potentially might be a guy's job you basically know he's either getting the ball because he's in there or he's coming out quickly uh, in uh, sort of a release situation as a pass catcher but you know you're not counting him as a part of the protection now this is a this is a podcast where we' you know you're hearing this audio so i can't i can't demonstrate or sort of show you visually how this would work But when you when guys are rushing across the line, or when fronts are anticipating runner pass, when they're off the ball, guys are charging forward. A lot of times, you do. It's very common. You you work throughout the week at what are some of the team's favorite protections against you, and is it a six man, seven man, max protect with eight? Some guys just stick with five and just send everyone out. Uh, But. You kinda can you you kinda know what their tendencies are, and sometimes that typically that'll marry up with the kind of back that's in there. If you get a back in there that you absolutely know they really don't want to leave on an island with maybe an edge guy coming off by sliding away from him, or put him in any situation where he has to pick up something that may be mildly confusing, and he just hasn't taken a lot of reps, no live reps there, and they don't want to put him in front of Tom Brady. Which I get, I completely get, and and it's one of the things that kind of gets overlooked with backs. What makes you a good back is them not knowing, hey, he's in, it's run, and then everyone charging forward, the box, you know, stacking, everyone leaning on their toes, or pl- plowing in. There's no, there's no question, you know, there's nothing to keep you honest. And unfortunately, and it's not, it's not Sony's fault. It's just the inexperience portion and the way I, it, it appeared to me that the offense looked a little more limited when he was in there. They don't shift in motion as much. There's not as much pre-snap movement. That probably cleans up the look for him a little bit, but it not only cleans it up for the offense, but I think it cleans it up for the defense as well. You could tell he's in there. He's not a part of the protection. He's probably getting the ball. If he's not, it's an easy assignment, a check release kind of thing, or, or just a swing pass kind of deal. But people were just flying across the ball. Look at the penetration on plays where he was supposed to have a run play. It's just There's nowhere to go. And and so I bring this up, and to kind of close out this Michelle point, they need to have now had a full week of work where they start to feel comfortable letting him protect even a little bit, even if it's chipping, even if it's whatever it may be. But if the guy's going to be on the field for 30 plays, he, he needs to not be the guy touching it you know, 20 of those times or 25 of those times, whatever it may be to make those other five to eight, or we'll even call it 10 touches much more effective. If you're in there for a specific purpose, guys key in on you. And if it's because you're not able to do the other part as well, I think sometimes at this young stage, it might be better to have someone else in there. But they're strapped right now. I don't think they have that option. So can well, I hope, let me see if I can get this name because I've been bombing on it all week uh, on Nessun. Uh, when it came up, Kenyon Barner. Am I saying that right? Y'all, uh, you're watching this show going, Chatham, how do you not know the name? But uh, anyway, you know, the other back to that, we know it's James White. We know, unfortunately, Rex is out now and uh let me see if i can hunt that up and you're all so annoyed with me right now but i anyway Barner, I believe it is. Barner is the last name. But anyway, I don't know what his role is. Uh, You know, we know he was in Philly a year ago. I I know he's only been here a short amount of time. I kind of half wondered myself leading into this week if maybe we get like an end of week, Uh, you know, someone cut from the active roster and Ralph Webb would be promoted. My thought there is, well, Ralph Webb's actually played a lot more snaps with the Patriots. Granted, it hasn't been regular season games, but he's played more football snaps, played more live football snaps, played many more summer snaps uh, as far as just getting some protection looks in there. I half wondered if they felt like they were in a spot and they needed the extra guy up, and Barnard pretty much just got here, That maybe it would be smart to bring in Ralph Webb. Give him a shot. Maybe he's, you know, just his comfort level's a little higher. Uh, but as of me taping this on a Saturday... Uh, late-ish, uh, doesn't appear that that's going to happen. So I think you go into game day, it's going to be James White. It's going to be Sony Michelle. Uh, Devlin's obviously there as the fullback, and then looks like Barner will be up. So that's your crew. Uh, so I, I, Barner, is if he's going to get some snaps, it has to be the situation we just talked about. Maybe because he's a veteran player and has played a little bit in the league, but all, albeit not in this system. I don't know the player. So maybe the the hopefully the, the comfort level with him pass protecting is higher. So I spent all this time on backs pass protecting. What the hell does that matter or mean? It opens everything up, folks. It just it makes everything so much easier when you're not declared with that guy. I think as much as the Josh Gordon not being available or being available and all the talk we had last week. I think Rex being a little bit banged up and a little bit limited and then trying to shove in the the, the young guy just out of out of Necessity. Uh, well, it's not pure necessity because I think they could have done more James White snaps, but they didn't. But that's going to be something to keep an eye. On. If Sony michelle's in there, and I bet he is. I mean, he's their guy now. He's going to have to do snaps where he's not getting touches. Go protect, you know, or or get a screen pass occasionally, or or check release and get a get an angle route late or something. But. Um, you're going to see, you need to see more because it helps really everyone else. Otherwise they're just keying off. And if you're an offensive lineman and the guy behind you, you know, the people the, the, I'm sure the guys across from you know, what's going on. They, they just fire off India. You. you need them to be reading and reacting. You need them to be hitting their gaps, but not quite sure if they're just flying through. Like it's a goal line play. And you saw that, I believe it was a third and one call. They run to the two tight end side and looked like there was penetration, all three spots. I mean, somebody didn't have a chance. It's just, that this is going to be bumpy until they get some more confidence with the guy and the guy just needs to get more reps. This is why rookie running backs are always kind of a Um, crapshoot. One one note there on that, a lot of people were down on Todd Gurley year one too. So let's just chill on what kind of player Sonny Michelle is. We have no idea. Look at how good Todd Gurley looks now when the offense has expanded around him. Uh, when it was not that and it was people keying off on him, there wasn't much productivity and people were calling him a bust or maybe he shouldn't have been taken so high and all that. Hit the pause button on Michelle. He's probably out there now at a time he otherwise – shouldn't or wouldn't have been, uh, but circumstance brought him forward and he lost a camp. So something's going to come of that. That's probably not a very encouraging thing, but I'm expecting a huge jump this week in in just the creativity portion, the, the ability to be diverse and do some different things to keep people from keen on that poor bastard, because he might be a damn good player in the sea. He might be an awesome player, but the circumstances right now make that really difficult for that part to come out. So we'll keep an eye on that clearly. And uh, one thing I just want to see here is an overall sort of theme going into this game, if they're going to be better, they're going to be a 30-point offense, the offense you expect from the New England Patriots, it has to come, in my view, from shifts and motions and misdirection and screens and all those kinds of things. The movement aspect of the offense has... Been a bit stagnant here in the last couple weeks. And to me, and this is this is thinking back to my few Jet years and then now watching them as an analyst, that's always what made them so difficult, the uncertainty of what may happen, where the ball may go. You know, just not knowing. When there's certainty, well, that makes it pretty rough. And uh, I got a sense that there was a lot less of the usage um of the strengths of this offensive line, which is their athleticism. And and that's what comes out of this misdirection stuff. Send everyone in one direction, send the ball back the other. You know, little Tom, Tom Brady can stretch. I said little, I mean little plays with him where he gives a little short boot motion. He stretches out wide to one side, short boots back the other, and then there's a misdirection element, a tight end peeling back across the ball. But I think the straight drop back stuff or or expecting you know deep comebacks to be solo open with either Patterson or Dorsett, it's just that's not going to be it right now especially with the 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 running game not being there so in those moments where it's pass and they're just sitting up high and on top of these routes. The, the the receivers don't have much of a chance in that situation. You need to introduce the confusion element. That's what's always made them so difficult. Get back into that. And I I, I actually, I misspoke, and uh, Zach Cox from Nesson uh, corrected me on this one because I think I actually said it on on air and Nesson this week where I didn't remember a game where I, they, the, I didn't believe the Patriots had thrown a screen pass. Now, there was one to Rex Burkhead, one of the more productive plays of that second half, and it was a screen. Hey, you know well, – Obviously, hey, you should be doing that more, I guess. Uh, But I just, I thought it was a little odd that I missed that one play. But other than that, just that you got James White there, the best screen back in the league. Screen the hell out of that guy. You know, screens and swings and, and swap boots and anything where you can get things going in one direction or avert sort of the attention of where... Where you, well, where you don't want it to be. You don't want everyone keying in on one particular spot of the field or send them there to key them and send the ball back another place. Screens are what this offensive line, and, and not just screens, but also getting out in space and blocking for swing passes and blocking for screens to the receiver group as well as the backs you know, getting out there and catching run plays and letting those guys go in space and go get people. As big as Trent Brown is, he's super athletic. He's he's really good in that situation. Their guards aren't big. You know, Joe Tooney is a very good player, but Joe Tooney is, you know, medium-sized. He's not, he's not like a 320, 330 anchor guard like you saw that from Detroit. They had some of those bigger bodies last week that just you know, you dance with them in the line of scrimmage if you don't get penetration. Tooney and Shaq Mason can be knocked back, but they're both very good at squaring up on guys. They're really excellent at double teaming. Both guys do a really good job of working with a buddy and climbing to something else and getting knocked down to the second level or cut blocking or getting out of space, but that's where the strength is. The strength isn't Line up, man on man, give movement. Because these aren't, you know, these aren't. I'm using a name for my time. Jamie nails. These aren't three thirty guys. These these are not that type of guard. This. In my view, is a group that needs to be using the misdirection, using the counters, using the the gapping on the inside, where you pull a guy and you know get a get a, a tackle to step the wrong way or an end to step too far up the field, and you trap and all those kinds of things. But we didn't see, at least in sort of a, a general theme, as much of that as I think. They 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 need to work themselves towards. So hopefully you see more of that in the Miami game. Like oh, all of a sudden everything looks better. And I, but again, it's not. This isn't to hammer Josh uh, McDaniels. I think you do have to be a little bit critical that it wasn't. It was below their standard clearly. And I think some of the things he's always been so great at, uh, sort of keeping defenses on their heels just didn't happen now I think he's a little hamstrung as well and what do you think he can call relative to the group he's working with right now and how the newness of them together and a piece or two that they're missing uh it sounds like we may not be seeing J- Jacob Hollister so that's a factor in here as well uh so you may not well we'll see it'll be a game day an active thing but if you don't have that other tight end that's a, a move factor can catch a ball thing and you're using really Gronk as your move guy and Allen as your in-line guy It's a block and things like that. That that changes the formula a little bit. So we'll keep an eye on that, the movements, the screens, the misdirections, the shifts and motions beyond just the play type, shifts and motions, pre-snap stuff. Now, there's been less of that with Josh since they started doing a little more spread and tempo stuff with Brady. But I think if you're into a slowdown mode, or not slowdown is the wrong word, but you're into a huddle mode. I think moving stuff around is helpful, especially if you don't feel like, hey, man-to-man, man, we're not our absolute best. Edelman's out of here. We don't know if Gordon's going to be out here. We're missing our 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 movement, passing, catching, tight end kind of guy. Our top back is rookie. You know, there's a few other things going on here. The way to sort of remedy that a little bit is to to get – Things moving, you know, shift, uh, make the defense reset their call, motion, move it across the ball from something that's not a bunch to something that stacks and becomes a bunch or something like that, or that passes one receiver past another pre-snap, making them have to make a call, whether or not they're going to switch that or stick with it and lock it or it prompts a zone call of some sort, something, Right. But the, I think the, the movement, the misdirection, the, the uncertainty angle that most defensers usually stress with in pa- facing the Patriots, it really hasn't been there much in the last couple of weeks. And I think that's their strength. That's their wheelhouse. You reintroduce that stuff, and all of a sudden you've created space on the field. And when you have space in the field and not just teeing off on each other, all of a sudden Sonny Michelle's going to get some plays, maybe some draw plays, maybe some just straight zones where they weren't teeing on them and they had some space. And you maybe motion a guy out and you lose a box player that way and you create a gap and all of a sudden sony michelle's is sweet and everyone's going okay never mind sorry all the hot takes from a week ago so we'll keep an eye on all of that close out here with uh, the gordon point we don't know we don't know as i do the show we don't know we know we practice we know he's still limited with a hamstring officially uh but again this is a point that i think is a little bit like the michelle point uh from just an inexperienced standpoint I, I, if gordon is active i think gordon is active for a subset of plays but that this cannot be the wide receiver version of the michelle stuff where he's in and we know he's in for a particular purpose and tom targets that immediately and it just draws too much attention i think if josh gordon plays he's got to play you know at least double uh, at least twice as many plays as as he gets targeted on right so if he's in for 10 Don't be targeting him 10 times. If he's in for 10, you know, target him two or three. But I think the more routes he's out there running where he's maybe soaking up coverage but not getting a ball, that's better because that keeps him honest. And then it makes the time where he is finally targeted less of something that the whole field is keying in on. So we'll keep an eye on that. And, you know, if he does come up, especially since it's a hammy he had dealt with that got him here and then had him sit for a week while he learned the offense like you're going out and throwing the guy for 40 snaps anyway i could be dead wrong on that but uh, we'll see how they handle it but gordon will be a plus factor i believe if he's active and I, I kind of hope he is i think a lot of you are cheering for that as well just because i think it may open things up he may not even catch a single ball when he's in but i think just making them wonder is there's some value in that as you try to open up all the other things that they haven't been able to accomplish in the last couple of weeks we are going to move on now to the other side of the ball, and defensively. Oh, you know, I want one, one final point here. Sorry, I should make this uh, because this is actually an offense and defensive point. It's a team speed point that I've heard a lot. Maybe it's just Twitter and me overvaluing, you know, that comment out of a handful of Twitter people. But uh, the idea that this is a slow team is idiotic. Don't say that. Don't think that. Check yourself. Go back and watch the preseason. The preseason games are the exact same personnel. In some instances, what are we, like 14 days away from it? 18 days, something like that. I mean, whatever. These are the same humans who everyone loved and how fast they were and all the penetration and all the big plays that were happening then. These are still the same human beings. The issue is execution. The issue is when they got a whole bunch of bodies to the ball and you were stuck behind the line of scrimmage, it's not speed. It's the play didn't confuse anyone you know that that's play calling and 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 just Having all the elements of the offense open to keep people back, to get them back. And when you see, for example, in the Jacksonville game where, oh, no one was able to win deep, well, they play cover three. The corners stay deep and on top of every single route. You never get on top of that route. That's not where the completions are going to be. They're going to be on deep comebacks. And we saw a lot of those by James White in the second half in that Jacksonville game. And now when you look on a week ago, well, they had no running game. No one's getting open if there's no running game. I mean, it's just that's something you kind of have to understand. But they aren't slow. Dorsett's a four three guy. Dorsett runs just as fast as as Brandon Cooks does. That doesn't mean you know they're the same player. I think Dorsett's been a very very positive player. Had his first kind of step back last week, or didn't accomplish nearly as much. But he's a fast guy, so starting to lump him in and say they're slow and they're not getting separation. Blah blah blah. You it, we talked about separation when you get pressed. And then have to cover down the field. Well, they're not having to do that. They're playing off. They're looking inside because they don't fear a running game, right? So when you have that element back in, all these people you're now accusing of being slow look like they normally do. He's a 4 3 guy. Dorset's not slow. Patterson's a 4 4 guy. He's big and fast as hell. He's one of the he runs better than any big receiver in a league. This and That doesn't make him the best kind of guy that way, but we saw in his catch-and-run plays in the preseason, this guy can run. The idea that Dorsett on the field, Patterson on the field, and Hogan, who's a... Who's a I'll say sneaky because then that's the, the white stereotype thing, but he's sneaky fast. He's Yes, he was listed in the mid-4-5 guy, but he runs well. He runs fine. He, he led the league in downfield balls two years ago. This is not a guy who has an issue with running. So And then adding Gronk, who moves as well as any tight end in the league. And wait a minute, how do we get talking about team speed? Now, I know part of that comes on the other side of the ball. James White's as quick and slick as anyone out there. Speed is not it. It's execution, play calling that fits who they're able to work with right now. Uh, And teams just really, really sagging on routes when you're on top of the route and they're not running past you. Well, that's in part because of the coverage you're getting. if we start talking about them in press, man, I'm not able to get on top of a guy downfield. Well, then that's a different conversation, but that's not what we're talking about here. Down in, down out. So it ain't the slow thing. Stop saying that. Uh, Or don't believe it when you hear it. defensively, I know that people have obviously tagged that same thing. Oh, there's just not enough team speed, not enough team speed. Well, here's what it is. that You might find a player or two that actually do fit that. And the problem is you need to get that player out of that situation. But cumulatively, no, team speed is not an issue with the Patriots. You look at a guy, you can go go across the positions. Van Noy runs at or above his standard for his position relative to other guys around the other league. Look at the other 32. Look at those guys at, at their Sam or their off-the-ball will. He runs just as well as him. This is a non-thing. People were pinning a lot of this whole sort of paint the whole defense is not running well because it doesn't look like Dante Hightower's moving well. And that's fair. And I don't know why that is. And he is coming back and he has looked slower. But I think he's got the heart of a lion. I think he's a stud. And I just, I think he's trying to figure it out right now. And he doesn't look himself. And hopefully he figures it out. He Now, he set some great edges last week, which isn't going to make excite anyone other than me, the old outside linebacker. But I think he still has that great punch to set edges. I, I haven't seen him be able to flow and make plays. And that's unusual and disappointing. And I know he's disappointed more than anyone. So look for a big turnaround with him, but it's not going to come by all of a sudden. Now he's a four-five guy, and he wasn't before. He's he's just he hasn't figured it out yet. So don't use him. And while he's coming back from a, a season he missed with injury, and say, well, the whole team speed is an issue because it's not the truth. You look at the, you look at the secondary. These Devin McCourty runs as good as any of the free safeties in the league. Chung moves just fine. Great top. Third kind of guy, and uh, maybe he's he's a Pro Bowl caliber guy at the strong safety position. Speech certainly isn't an issue with him, and we're obviously hoping he's back this week. At the cornerback position, Gilmore runs, you know, he's he's well, he's a top-five corner in the league. Maybe it definitely top-ten, top-five. I don't know whoever. I don't do the ranking crap. But the point is, he's in movement, speed, and agility. is not a problem with that guy. Trey Flowers, hopefully he's active as well. He's not a speed problem. Dietrich Wise, he moves good. He moves very well, especially for a bigger, long guy. That's there's not a speed issue there. Adam Butler moves great for defensive tackle. He's as quick and as, as anyone out there at that size. Where they're a little slower is at some of the -the off-the-ball linebacker stuff. And I think that's what grabs people's attention. But then you can't paint the entire unit with the issue with a couple different guys are having. So I take all this, and I want to spin this into how I think the configuration could be changed that would help take that perception of off-the-ball speed away. And it goes from this four-man line with two off-the-ball guys in a nickel situation where the seventh is actually a safety down and lingering but not really in the box. There's a lot of space in a six-man box, guys. And it's Again, on, on a podcast, it's a little hard to illustrate that. But that is the case. You're a four-man line where the guys really have to get off their blocks and, and be able to shed to both sides and make plays other than the edge guys. But inside, you got to – you got to be able to make plays, and I think one of the biggest issues, definitely, 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 if you were going to be critical, the interior line play hasn't been very good in the last two weeks, particularly the uh, the Detroit week. Uh, Lawrence Guy is probably the most consistent guy; he's still playing at a really high level, uh, but they've had problems at the defensive tackle spot with the others, and uh, you know they've been hard on themselves and some of the critiques during the week. But I-, I can simply tell you this: it's it you know you flip it on, you turn on the end zone copy and and there's too much not getting off blocks at all. And it doesn't have to do with speed. That's just poor technique or just not having guys that are able to make plays both sides or not, not having guys that are able to get to push the guard or center backwards two, three yards, then shed as opposed to backstepping a yard or two and then not being able to shed. That's a problem. Now, where you sometimes might get issues or perceptions of lack of speed is when you don't have a guy on the edge who separates quickly and runs down place. That can contribute to that feeling as well. And I know Kenyatta Davis, it's been a very nice surprise that he started week one, had a nice uh, either sack or knockdown in week one. Um, but does not look as a run defender as someone who's quick to to you know, separate and jump and get, get plays with range. That's something you're more going to get from Dietrich Wise if he's out there. That's something you'll get from Derek Rivers, which we saw so little of him a week ago. I wonder if this movement to get maybe Van Noy back inside uh, and, hopefully elevate rivers i think there's your quickness and athleticism all of a sudden you're talking about oh they look more athletic and fast and all that stuff but you use that guy on the edge you use van noy back inside and this, the reason I'm saying just one inside linebacker, I'm hypothesizing here with the five-man line stuff. The handful of snaps that they ran that against Detroit was the most effective stuff. I'm curious if they lean on that a little more heavily. And the five-man line means you have one guy over center. To me, uh, that's going to be Danny Shelton. Danny can do that job well. Stuff the center. Maybe make a play left or right of center in the A gaps, either side of himself. Potentially take on a double and just squat. But he doesn't have to take on a guard, drive and run down the line. It's just it's he hasn't been as good as that in the small sample we've seen him. I don't know if Malcolm Brown has a role in this. In this, and I think he's probably the one player who's been taking the most heat because he had a rough couple weeks. He really did, and the Super Bowl wasn't good for him as well. So I wonder if there's some pressure there. That that's not to put dirt on a guy whatsoever. He may pop back from this. All the the back to basics talk we talked about getting better with his hands, getting better at shedding, but he just hasn't been able to make plays. And he's unfortunately going the wrong direction sometimes on some of these runs. And you just can't have that. You got to have your bigs move them backwards. You got to have your bigs get penetration. Or either shed and throw people around and make plays and hurt running backs. I say that you've mystically, but not you know, not actually. But uh, I think a guy at one of the tackle positions in the, in uh, the B gap, uh, and you know, you lined in a you can call a three I or whatever, lined in the gap between the guard and tackle with Shelton over center with Adrian Claiborne potentially in the other gap, and then your edge guys are Hightower and Rivers, and I think that's actually a really. Good and athletic crew. Now I haven't put Dietrich Wise in there. Dietrich could easily slide into that spot where I said Claiborne in the five man line. But what happens in five man lines is the sixth guy is the middle linebackers right in the you know those five online. So you have two outside linebackers, two in those gaps between the guards and tackles, and one over center, and then a single guy off the ball. So it just looks like one linebacker. But then your safety is your guy who's down and lingering as a seventh. So, so I like that. It cuts into the reps. You know you won't see a Landon Roberts as much, and I'm not in the camp that's completely trashing that guy, but he does struggle a little bit more in the six man stuff where it's just a four man line and there's two off the ball guys and he's gotta make decisions both sides and cover a little more ground. I think that you know it hurts what he does best. Those aren't the best situations for him. So he in my view might could change here to a little more of a support role. And it's into your best off the bill ball player, which to me right now is Kyle Van Noy. Let him be off the ball over center uh, you know, stacked behind a defensive tackle that's making some hay, or maybe offset a little bit with a safety down next to him and that the safety, Chung, is your seventh guy. But I think that's your best configuration. Get Dietrich and now When you go to rush stuff, get Dietrich more involved. Hopefully Trey's involved here. And and you realize I did not put Trey in there. Now, if Trey is back and involved, obviously Trey's on that outside instead of uh, uh, Derek Rivers. But I kind of put that in there as sort of a curveball. Just curious if his role might bump with the issues they've had. But we'll keep an eye on that. But I think that configuration is better for them overall for plugging gaps uh, as opposed to having to do the Everyone play it straight, four-man line, two off. I, like, I just think they almost have to go to a more regular defense, kind of packed box thing. The, the five-man line stuff is actually more nickel, but I just think that accounts for every gap. It puts them in the gap as opposed to half and then play a guy more head up and win two gaps kind of thing. So I know that's a mouthful for a podcast, but I wanted to sort of put that out there. So if you're watching and you see, you know, see what I said, and it works great, and I'll feel good about that. Or if they go with something entirely different, and you know, it works, good for that. Or, or if they're back to the four man line with two off the ball, and they look a little thin up front, and you see guys moving backwards. I think there are scheme ways to change that for, and keep that from happening, as opposed to just hoping for better and working on the technique part of that. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll kind of transition out of this, but one, one, one little thing I did want to punch on here is the John Simon thing. You know, you get the new outside linebacker DM, whatever you call him. He's a 6'2 or 3 kind of guy, I believe, 260 Close to our similar body type, I guess. Closer to a Nikovich kind of body, I guess. Uh, but was a really good player at Houston. Kind of a guy that Belichick would point out, like, "Hey, watch that guy. Like he's he's tough, and he's smart, and he's resourceful, and all those things." And I sound like I'm talking stereotypes here, but uh, he had a neck issue and got cut out of, uh, and missed a portion of last season. And then it got was sort of a surprise cut in camp coming out of the Colts. So I, I kind of wonder if this issue of, "Hey, slot him in at the edge, and uh, maybe you know, maybe Hightower still has an off the ball inside." roll again for another week and they feel like they have a guy who's ready to roll outside that would be the one position edge edge linebacker uh, if you're just being asked to set the edge pass rush with some integrity to the pocket it's something he went through a whole full camp and he did the the fact that he missed three weeks that shouldn't you know that shouldn't affect that that's the kind of position you can come in pick it up pretty quickly don't have him be involved in coverage now Uh, but he can set an edge without you know without with it being away from the, the from the work for a few weeks and still be okay so keep an eye on that guy it'll be interesting to watch but again we're obviously the the bigger story here is configuration to alleviate some of these issues also personnel going through that group of guys and elevating the ones that have been playing better and limiting the roles of the ones who haven't and i you know i'm not hot take guy and i'm certainly not on here to trash any particular player but I watch the film uh, as as best I can, and I, I do think there are a few people who have had a a few pit, bad weeks of work, and you know the heat gets hot around there, and that's okay. He 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 got he gets hot on everyone at that place at some point. It certainly did me many times, uh, so. We'll keep an eye on configurations. I think that'll be a big part of it. And obviously, we hope Trey Flowers and Patrick Chung are back out there. And even just by their addition alone, they're, they're quickly a much better defense. I think we all know that. So I'm um, going to have to stop the run with Miami. And if, uh, if you're not, and you're, you're, you're run defending as you did uh, against Detroit, it, it could be a long day. So special teams, you know, this is not going to be a deep, in-depth look with them. If I were to do special teams breakdowns, I want to show a video to y'all. And I know I can't do that on a podcast. But special teams, uh, this let me just think of this more of sort of a philosophical standpoint. How we think of weeks like this, and you're, as a special teams player, I was a backup. I rotated the linebacker each week. I played defensive snaps, but I was, you know, I was going to be limited to somewhere usually between ten and maybe fifteen, and occasionally twenty. Um, you know, you know, you're going to get a few series, right? And you have to be ready. And you know, the game plan is rest as everyone else. And you have to play your role, but you're not going to go out for you know sixty snaps uh, like a Willie McGinnis or, or Vrabes or or those guys. So you have to be ready for a little more limited role, but you're going to play defense. But you know. In your mind, the way we can really make a difference today is this special teams. Why? Because you're in those reamers rooms. And you're a linebacker. I'm obviously in the meeting room getting ready for defense as well, even though I'm going to come in as just a backup. You still have to know it. And you're still getting all that feeling of, wow, it's, it's we're trudging here a little bit. It's been two really tough weeks. They're really challenging us. We all, we all have to pick it up. Well, you know that the other big major part of your role, the other 20 to 30 snaps is these these special teams plays. And you know in your head, man, the offense, bad couple weeks. Defense, bad couple weeks. We need a spark. We need to cover the shit out of punts. We need to cover the shit out of our kicks. We need to make sure that this doesn't go for anything excessive in the coverage stuff. All the kicks have to be tw- inside the 25. Maybe you, let's get a pin, a few of them inside the 20. Let's make hay here and try to make life a little easier on those other two units. Now, from the return game, you know it. You're like, you're thinking to yourself, this is when we would get most juiced. It's like, these are the weeks they need us, guys. They, we need to scheme up a kick return that, that hits. We need our punt return to really come up with something. We need one or two field flipping plays that makes the difference in this thing. So these are the weeks to look to those guys. They got an opportunity to make a difference, and you have some questionable health with a couple of the spots. Even with Brandon King, I kind of wonder what's going to go on with that because you get you start having conversations about linebacker crew and health there. You know, he's technically listed as one. I think maybe more, more likely than that is Nicholas Grigsby. We saw him extensively in the preseason, so maybe Grigsby does a little of both and gets himself some nickel sub stuff. He's a shorter guy. He's a lighter guy. But if you're interested in that whole – seemingly a little bit quicker guy on the inside, he might be that dude for this year's crew, obviously with Marquise Flowers having moved on. So that's my big overall look for this. Obviously, everyone's sort of uh, hopeful that this is going to go the other way, and we can get back to talking about the Patriots in the normal vein that we typically do. That hasn't happened, but I hope that at least I've given you enough here to chew on, enjoy, and a little different perspective on a way to watch this game as we try to figure out what the heck is going on. But a reset here against the Dolphins, and we're back to normal. And we're back to talking about growth and and reminding ourselves not to freak out about September's ever again. If the, if the issues continue and they happen to lose this thing, well, I'll talk at you next week and talk at the things that they fixed that worked and maybe some of the things that they didn't. But we don't usually end Patriot shows that way. We don't normally talk this way. Why? Because we expect them to win. I expect them to beat the Dolphins as well. Let's hope they have a good week. Enjoy the game. Hope you enjoyed the show. This is the Real Thing Patriots podcast. I'm Matt Chatham. Check this thing out on iTunes. You can subscribe to the show there. You can get it on blogtalkradio.com. And uh, you can always hit me up on Twitter at Chatham58 and check out my columns there on TheAthletic.com. The Athletic. Um, that is all. Enjoy the game, folks. Bye bye. Now. Thanks for listening to the Football by Football podcast. Football insight by football players. Night, Lucky. Night, Dusty. Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned.